Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining again this week. I can't believe we're 25 episodes into this season. It's pretty crazy. Thanks for sticking with me along the way. The Atlanta Braves had a little, you know, speed bump in the road with a four-game losing streak, but we knew that that was possible. But right now, it's fun time of year because we can really truly break down players' stats and how they did all season long as the season dwindles down. And we're going to do just that with Ozzy Albies. And then we're going to talk about the bullpen a little bit since that's been a hot topic since the four-game losing streak. With that, let's get started. Well, it seems that this season, many of the Braves players have had offensive rebounds. We've seen Matt Olson hit a career record in home runs in a season, as well as breaking the franchise record for the Braves in home runs. We're seeing Ronald Acuna doing things that we'd hoped he'd always done, but he has been injured, and he had a bounce-back year this year. We've seen... Marcelo Zuna have a bounce back year. We said Eddie Rosario have a bounce back year. And one of those players is Ozzy Albies. Ozzy Albies is arguably having his best season offensively in his career. Now, if you look at just overall numbers, you could argue that 2019 was his best. But if you look at this year and compare him to the rest of the league, this has been his best year. So really, it depends on how you want to compare the seasons in 2019 he had a 113 OPS plus which meant he had he was 13% better than league average however he led the league in at bats and hits so he had a lot of good numbers that year there's no discounting he had a fantastic year in 2019 this year he has a 117 OPS plus that's four percent better than in 2019 in comparison to the league average. And, and a lot of that is because in 2019, offense was much higher across the league. It Offense is much lower this year across the league. Of course, you wouldn't be able to tell that with the way that the Atlanta Braves are playing because they're playing out of their minds offensively as a unit. But as an entire league, offense in 2023 is not nearly as high as it was in 2019. With that being said, what has changed with Ozzy Albies? Because last year, of course, he did only play in 64 games, but last year he only had a 93 OPS plus. And then in 2021, he had a 108. In 2020, he was league average with a 100. Of course, 2020 is a bit of an anomaly with the COVID season, and Albies only played in 29 games of that season. But still, something has happened to where... His offense has taken an uptick this season. Well, first we know that he's always been excellent against hitting lefties, except for a few one-off seasons. In 2022 and 2020, he was not. But every other year of his career, he has been one of the best lefty hitters in Major League Baseball. And I'm not just saying that. So in 2017, he had a 142 runs created plus. 2018, he had a 140. 2019, he had a 179. 2021, he had a 145. And this year, he has a 174. To put that in perspective, if a, if a player had a 
runs created plus of 174 this year. That would put them third in all of baseball behind Shohei Otani and Corey Seager, which both of those players have been injured for a decent portion of the season. So, for what it's worth, because runs created plus is a stat that's hard to keep up. Of course, then again, what we're going to talk about with Ozzy Albies is the fact that you don't see left-handed pitchers nearly as much as you do right-handed pitchers. For reference, Ozzy Albies, 81% of the time, has faced a right-handed pitcher this year. So, even though he has been excellent against lefties for his entire career, yet for most of his career, I should say, he has not been excellent against righties. Remember we just talked about runs created plus? Ozzy Albies before this season had only ever had a runs created plus against right-handed hitters above 100, which is league average, only one season in his career before this season, and that was back in 2019, which was that other season that I said he had a really excellent season offensively. His runs created plus is 100 again this year, and he has an expected weighted on-base average against him of 318. That's also his best since 2019. So not only is he having his best season against lefties, he's also having his tied for, I guess, his second best season against lefties and tied for his best season against righties. So if you combine those two together, that equals his best season offensively altogether. That's really and in a nutshell how it breaks down, but I want to break it down even more granular. I did this for battery power, but I don't want to do it in the podcast because when you talk about it, you can kind of you can get more across when you talk over just text. And uh, and also, it's just more fun. Well, it's not more fun, but you know what I'm saying. It's another media. It makes it more fun to get it from both angles, if you will. At first, I thought to myself, okay, Ozzy Albee is one of the things that he does a lot. Is he He's a free swinger. Which means he doesn't, he's not very patient. He doesn't sit back and wait for walks. He hits the ball a lot. And that's fine. That's just a profile that he has. He's never going to have an insanely high on base percentage, which was honestly why I don't like him batting second against right handed pitching. Other than that, also, he has a run created plus of league average. And typically, you don't want a league average hitter against uh, batting second. And he's a league average hitter against right handed pitching. However, with how good he is against lefties, does make him a lethal hitter overall. Either way. So I was thinking, all right, so is his chase rate down? You know, like, is he not chasing the ball as much? And then I saw, I looked at it just from the breaking pitches perspective. Because a lot of times, breaking pitches is where you have a, a pretty decent chase rate, right? And it turns out that his chase rate against breaking pitches is his lowest since 2018 so i was like oh great okay so here's a route we can take and look and see well chasing rate does not always mean that you're swinging and missing that ozzy albies has a special skill to where even if the pitch is outside of the strike zone he can still make contact with it quite a bit which is one of the things that makes him really interesting and one of the reasons why i think 
probably he has been so successful with being a free swinger is the ball does not necessarily have to be in the strike zone for him to make contact with it. Of course, when the ball is out of the strike zone, you don't. It's it's more difficult to make solid contact with it, if you will. But either way, it looks it, it is down against breaking pitches. But so one thing you want to look at is. What about his swing and miss rate? Because that's really when you start to see strikes. It's if you swing and miss, not necessarily chase. That's what I was getting at. And his 25.1% chase rate against breaking pitches is the second best since his rookie season 2017 when he only played a fraction of the season. So, but it's higher than it was last season, which was 22.8%. I'm like, well, he's had a massive increase since last season, so it's not the entire story, but it is a piece of the pie. So it's not simply he's not swinging and missing and spanking pitches as much this year, and that's why we saw a massive increase from last year. It's just one of the reasons why we're seeing an increase of production this year. So there's multiple types of breaking pitches. So I was thinking, you know, there is something there. So let's look at all those types of breaking pitches that he's hitting against. And I noticed, well, his curveball, actually, he has the highest uh, swing and miss rate of his career on the curveball, yet his second best overall with breaking pitches. Why is that happening? And then if you scroll down on StatCast, which I highly suggest doing, it really opens your eyes to how a player is doing, whether that's a pitcher or a hitter. You can see how effective a specific pitch is. You can look at what's called run value added. If you use, go to StatCast, and it'll break down each pitch type, and it'll show you run value added. Well, Ozzy Albies has his best run value added against curveball this year than any other year, and it's not even close. Like Most of the years of his career, he has negative run value, and his second best run value added in his career against the pitch was a three, and now we're up to six this year, yet he's got a swing and miss rate that's the highest of his career. So what that means is he's swinging and missing more, but he's still being extremely effective against the curveball. So what's happening here? How is it that he's swinging and missing? It's not as simple as batter goes up to bat, they either strike out, get a hit, or walk. This is pretty evident of that. He is swinging and missing more than he ever has against the curveball, yet is having his bet, and I say against the curveball, against the curveball versus right-handed pitching. Remember, we're talking about right-handed pitching, kind of breaking down why he's doing so well against right-handed pitching when he hasn't for most of his career. So he's, against right-handed pitchers this year, his his swing and miss rate is the highest of his career versus curveballs. So that made me dig even deeper because I mean, this is really intriguing. Turns out he's pretty much always been good against the slider versus right-handed pitchers, which is interesting to me. He's struggled against the curveball against right-handed pitchers for most of his career, but has been average or better against the slider versus right-handed pitchers for most of his career. And his, his uh, swing and miss rate is only 21.7% against right-handed pitchers when they throw a slider. So that explains the lower overall swing and miss percentage when we lump all the breaking pitches into one. So I was like, okay, it's not against the curve on the swing and miss percentage. We can knock that out. Of course, all these variables together, that he's still doing well against a slider, and then add on top of it that he's doing well against a curve, it's all part of 
the puzzle that explains why he's doing so well against right-handed pitching. But I really want to zone in on this curveball because this is really what he has fixed that has really made him much more effective this year based on the research I've done. And it's really, I guess, like I said, it's pretty interesting. Remember how I said his swing and miss rate was the highest of his career versus the curveball if he's facing a right-handed pitcher? Well, check this out. From 2018 to 2021, which is most of his career, he had a put-away percentage against the curve versus a right-hand pitcher, which means a put-away percentage means if you have two strikes on you and the pitcher pitches that pitch, you swing and miss and strike out. If he had two strikes on him from 2018 to 2021, he ranged from 19.5% of the time to 33.3% of the time. If a pitcher, a right-handed pitcher, threw a curveball to him when he had two strikes, he struck out. This season, he has a rate of only 12%. So even though he's swinging and missing at a curveball at the highest of his career when he's facing right-handed pitching... He does not strike out against that pitch very often. Only 12% of the time, which is easily the best that we've seen. So it is really interesting, and it's a good exercise to see that just looking at swings and misses does not always mean, does not always equate to strikeouts. Sometimes batters change their approach when they have two strikes, and Ozzy Albies has done that and has been able to find out or figure out it's a curveball and not strike out against it. Have you ever heard someone say a player has just been quote-unquote seeing the ball better? Well, this shows that it does. Or that that can be a thing and that Ozzy Albies is actually experiencing that because it's not as simple as swinging and missing or whatever. It wears the ball placed when he's swinging and missing. Is it outside of the zone? That's why we're looking at chase rates, because chase rates mean outside of the strike zone. Well, there's pitches that go inside of the strike zone as well, and you can swing and miss those too. You don't only swing and miss against pitches outside of the strike zone, right? Well, against this same specific scenario, right-handed pitching with a curveball, he is only swinging and missing inside of the strike zone 9.1% of the time, which is the lowest of his career. His second best season against this was way back in 2017 with a 13.3% when he was swinging and missing at curveballs inside the strike zone. So this season, when a pitcher pitches a curveball inside the strike zone, Ozzy Albies is hitting it more than he ever has in his career. So not only is his rates better in other areas as far as striking out against the pitch, but he's also hitting it more when it's inside the strike zone. So those two kind of can go hand in hand, and it's really interesting. He's hitting the ball better when it's a curveball versus a right-handed pitcher. But this is just his swing and miss rate. It goes far beyond that. For his career, he has his best weighted on-base average and expected weighted on-base average against the curve versus right-handed pitchers in his entire career. This year, he's got a batting average of 308 and a slugging percentage of 462 against this scenario. If we look at his expected batting average, it's a bit lower at 272, and his expected slugging is a bit lower at 401, but even those are still the best of his career against 
a curveball thrown by a right-handed pitcher. Obviously, when you look at expected stats, batting average, slugging, there are contributing factors that go with this. It's, it's great to look at, but if we're getting granular, let's get granular. You know what I'm saying? So, first thing we've seen is he had a massive increase in exit velocity, which means he's hitting the curveball way harder than he ever has. In 2020, he hit it pretty hard, but that was a short season. This season, he has the highest of his career. At He averages hitting the, a curveball versus right-handed pitchers at 87.5 miles per hour. Back in 2022, it was 81.5 miles per hour. That's a massive jump. Massive. He's hitting the ball way harder. And obviously, when you hit the ball harder, if you have an optimal launch angle, which at 18 degrees, Ozzy Albies has had an optical, optimal launch angle against the curve. When you hit the ball harder than you ever have with a good launch angle, it's going to result in more hits. That is a scientific fact. I know that old school fans don't like really like talking about exit velocity and launch angle, but it's just science. If you hit the ball hard at an optimal launch angle, you're going to get more hit hits than if you don't. Okay, it's just data. Because he's been able to do this, his ground ball rate is versus the pitch is a career low of 22.9%. That it was 56.3% in 2022. So he went from hitting a curveball versus right-handed pitchers into the ground 56.3% of the time last year to a career low of 22.9% this year. Before this season, it had never been below 30.2%. So he is hitting the ball much, much better as far as not hitting the grounder versus that pitch. This has also resulted in the second highest line drive rate of his career and second highest fly ball rate in his career against the curve versus a right-hand pitcher. So he's hitting the ball the hardest he ever has with a higher line drive rate and a higher fly ball rate. That is one of the reasons why you're seeing more doubles, more home runs, less hitting into double plays, less hitting the ball into the grounder and getting out from a grounder. He's hitting the ball with much better quality against a pitch that used to be his worst pitch and has turned it into one of his best pitches this year because he's been able to, you know, not strike out against the pitch, hit the ball harder, hit the ball when it's in the strike zone more often, and hit it at a better optimal launch angle, which has resulted in less ground balls, more line drives, more fly balls. Like I said, you face the right-handed pitcher, at least Ozzy Albies has this year, over 80% of the time, and so you got to be able to tweak things like this. If he was, he obviously worked on this pitch in the offseason. He obviously saw that he was struggling against it and figured out ways to hit it. And it is paying off in spades, as they say. All right, let's take a little break, and then we'll talk about the bullpen. All right, welcome back from break. So now let's talk about the bullpen. So, of course, as we know with this past series with the Marlins, the bullpen has not been great. 
In fact, it was probably one of the worst stretches the bullpen has had all season long. And for good reason, fans were really upset or worried about the bullpen with the playoffs nearing. You know, this a lot of times if you don't have a good bullpen, you're not going to fare well in the postseason. That's one of the things that really separates a great team from a good team is in the playoffs is having a good bullpen to help shut the door when it's time. Well, here's the thing with the Atlanta Braves. This is something that a lot of us fans have not seen for a very, very long time is the Braves have such a massive lead in their division that truly the only thing that they're fighting for right now is home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That is a big thing, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing was winning the division and ensuring your spot in the playoffs. And right now, honestly, is the, are the Phillies really the ones you want to be playing in the playoffs? But let's just be honest real quick. I think I'd much rather face the Brewers than the Phillies. But that being said, this is the time that managers can quote-unquote trim the fat. And what that means is you have soft tryouts to see who can make the postseason roster. This is the time when, even in situations where the game is on the line, you still want to put guys out there that you wouldn't put out there in the playoffs because you want to see if they are there and they can make it happen. Are they the ones that you can depend on during these situations? Sure, they've had a full season, but guys have gone through injuries. Guys have fatigued throughout the year. You know, we see with Bryce Elder, he's not a bullpen arm, but you've seen with Bryce Elder over the past few starts, he's obviously fatigued, right? That He's never pitched as many innings. So there's situations like that with the rotation, bullpen, but specifically the bullpen. That's why you saw certain guys go out in certain situations the past few games that they haven't all year. You've seen guys pitch in the bullpen that you haven't really seen pitch all year. And I'll give an example. 18 out of the 37 runs given up to the Marlins in that series were from pitchers that have high odds, if no odds at all, to pitch in the playoffs. Derek Rodriguez, who wasn't even on the team anymore. Nicky Lopez, who's not a pitcher. Brad Hand, who the Braves got for free and won't be pitching in the situation he was pitching in. He'll be a left-hand, he'll be a loogie essentially, a left-handed specialist against lefties, and Jared Schuster, who is not going to be on the postseason roster. So, as you can see, you had other than Nicky Lopez just pitching to end the game because the Braves are losing so bad, the other guys, Jared Schuster not so much, but it was really his final audition. Derek Rodriguez auditioning to see if he can make the roster the rest of the way. And then Brad Hand seeing if he can handle the pressure and seeing if he's the type of guy that the Braves want to keep on the roster and if he can do anything else besides just being a left-handed specialist against lefties or even make the postseason roster in the first place. The Braves were doing auditions for the bullpen to see who they need to leave on the roster and take off for the rest of the season, but more importantly, for the postseason itself. And whenever you get into the postseason, you start using role players. For example, 
Remember when the Braves brought up Terrence Gore to play in the postseason when he hadn't played for the Braves all year long? And you're going to see guys like possibly Forrest Wall for defensive replacement. He's probably not going to play hardly at all, but he has a good chance of being on the roster because of how fast he is and because of his defense. You're going to see especially roster spots like that in the postseason because in the postseason, you're not looking for depth. You're looking for role players. And because of that, there's going to be less bullpen arms or potentially less bullpen arms or less, less bullpen arms that are there purely for depth. Like a Michael Tonkin, he's kind of a fringe pitcher. He's been good this year, but is he the type that's going to make the postseason roster? We don't know. He gave up two runs against the Marlins. Brad Hand, he's a fringe guy. He's got a pass of being really good, but he's been really bad for the Rockies, but good for the Braves up to this point. You want to put him in as much situations as you can to make sure that he's actually ready to be on the postseason roster. That's what the Braves are doing. They have a massive lead. They've pretty much they've clinched their division. Why do they need to play guys that they could rest, especially in the bullpen, when they can also try out arms at the same time? So it's a, a variation of two things. They're resting guys, but more importantly, they're trimming the fat to figure out the optimal roster to field in the playoffs. And so, don't panic right now. Yeah, we want to see the Braves beat. We want to see the Braves bust records. We want It would have been awesome to see them have the most wins in a regular season ever. That would have been really, really fun. But I think we can agree that winning another World Series is more important than that. You know, some may disagree, but I would say that I would much rather increase my odds of winning the World Series than having the single-season win record. Would it be cool? Would it always be remembered? Yes, that's that's a fair point, but that's not the team's goal. At least that's not the front office's goal. Their goal is to win a World Series, and so they're trying to figure out the best roster possible for the postseason, and that's what you have been seeing lately. In a nutshell... It's soft tryouts to make the playoff roster. All right, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. The regular season is truly dwindling down. I cannot wait for playoff baseball. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at Braves Dugout Pod or my personal Twitter at SP Sports. We got a Facebook page, Facebook group. It's been booming lately. Thank you for joining. If this is your first time listening, so happy to have you here. Don't forget to like and subscribe so people that don't know the show exists can find it. And you can email the show for business and queries at bravesdugout at gmail.com. As always, go Braves. <laughs>